Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at His Hard Line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side, because they are the host with the most, and they are in charge, and they are in the captain's chair and at the helm behind the wheel. Therefore, they are steering this great ship that we well, they're steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to His Hard Line. Today is Saturday, June 10th, 2023, and you are listening to episode 558, Protect Our Posterity, and we'll be doing a reading out of James chapter 2. Uh, excuse me, James chapter 3. I tell you what, on top of fumbling over some words, I tell you, I'm still stuck on uh, the day before yesterday or whenever I did the last podcast. I'm still dealing with, uh, I was still dealing with um, a severe migraine. It has subdued significantly, but I wanted to just try to get it, you know, get the podcast done a couple hours, two and a half hours earlier today, just because of the simple fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, just for the simple fact that I need to get, you know, laying down for bed a little early tonight, try to, you know, get rid of it all together. But uh, anyways, I I'm, I know you guys will forgive me and I do apologize for the slight change time, you know, time change up here. But uh, yeah, you know, I tell you, it's been one of those things. I've always thought it was kind of BS when people say that they would get uh, migraines to the point where they would feel nauseous because I had never experienced that in my life until today. And it got to the point where it would come in waves. One minute I'd be feeling fine. Next thing you know, I'd be feeling queasy, like I was, uh, you know, getting seasickness or something. It was just out of this world. And I've never experienced anything like it, but I never want to go back to that ever again. It is getting a little better, but it's still just slightly lingering there. But it's been something I've been dealing with for the last 36 hours. So, um, but anyways, real quick, though, a little dis uh, daily disclaimer. Remember, as I always state periodically on the podcast, I am not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat and I don't play one on TV. I'm not a financial advisor, a pastor, priest, deacon or biblical scholar or a bar lawyer, nor hold any title of nobility. 
I do not give out legal advice. I am also not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies, and additionally, I do not advocate for violence. I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own, unless I reference other materials. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So... Before we get into some, you know, get into the uh, reading of James chapter 3 and the topic of protecting our posterity, I want to play a little something that Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner, um, he posted on his Telegram page. This was a post that he forwarded from a White Hat's page. And uh, the post says this was revealed on Barney Miller in 1981. Predictive uh, programming hidden in plain sight, as per usual, front-running the truth with the conspiracy theory labels, and that script was greenlit on a comedy show. They knew they could flaunt it, and no one would believe it. Any word on who wrote this episode? I'd be interested to know if they have any links to the CIA. Let's listen to this uh, little clip here. It's about two minutes and 18 seconds. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Let's give this a quick listen to before we get further into the show. Uh, Let me make sure my volume is up. Okay. I just wanted to meet them face to face. I I wanted them to admit what they were doing. Who is they? He was in the office of the Trilateral Commission. Trilateral Commission? Yeah, the Trilateral Commission. (laughs) All right, what is the Trilateral Commission? It's an organization founded in 1973 by David Rockefeller to bring together business and political leaders from the United States, Europe, Japan, so they could work together for uh, better economic and political cooperation between their nations. And with that, that's what they'd like us to believe. But you see, what they're really up to is a scheme to plant their own loyal members in positions of power in this country, to work to erase national boundaries and create an international community, and in time, bring about a one-world government with David Rockefeller calling the shots. I take it they're pressing charges? Yeah, well, uh, uh, he broke a globe and uh, and some UNICEF artwork. Well, they're in on it, too. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Klein, if you're just telling you our whole way of life as we know it is in jeopardy. I appreciate that information. But I have have the documented evidence. It's all in there. Show him. Well, he's got um, got these magazines here. Conspiracy Review. Suppressed Truth Roundup. The whole master plan is exposed. Yeah, well, um... You're still not convinced, huh? <laughs> would, would you like to hear the names of just a few of the people who have been on the Trilateral Commission? Uh, not particularly. James no. Earl Carter. Heard of him? Look, Mr. Klein... Henry Kissinger. You heard of him? Walter Mondale. Who? <laughs> Mr. Klein, this is... Yeah, so very, very interesting. I mean, this is what they do. They put this stuff right out there in plain sight uh, through comedy, sitcoms, things like that. But again, this was, again, that was back in, uh, that was back in uh, 1981. Um, Again, that was revealed on Barney Miller. Again, predictive programming right there in plain sight. Um, So, um, but yeah, like I said, Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner uh, posted that he forwarded that from a White Hats page that he joined, uh, that he's a part of, that I actually happened to join because I thought that was pretty interesting. They actually post some pretty neat stuff over there. So anyway, so um, 
again, forgive me, guys. I am just, I'm, like I said, still dealing with a little bit of a lingering um, migraine here, but um, it is getting better. <clears throat> I'm not feeling as queasy, so that's good. Um, but like I said, I am looking forward to going to bed a little early tonight. So <clears throat> where to start? So hmm, where do I want to start? So well, first off, I guess let me start here. So if you have the opportunity to spend around about roughly three hours on Kirk's Law Corner, um, you'll be in for a real treat because Kirk hosted a show last night where he invited a special guest of whom is uh, a good friend of mine. I say a good friend, but I think he's soon to be a good friend of mine here. We've been working on a project together with Elise out of Georgia, but he's from the uh, he's with the Missouri General Journal Assembly. In fact, he's listening live right now. In fact, he just said he's driving home from an all-day uh, compost workshop. <laughs> so, um, but Oscar, what's going on, brother? Glad to see you here. Thanks for uh, being here. Glad to have you here. Um, but uh, he gave a very great, he, well, first off, let me preface it by saying this. Oscar, with the nature of what he does for a living, um, he he's a great educator. And because he's a great educator, he's very skilled at putting together presentations. He's very good at presentation developing and putting together um um, education type of uh, software, if you will. Now, I don't know if software is the right word. He might, if I know he's driving, texting and driving is kind of dangerous, but if he feels inclined to put it in the chat, I will read kind of what he does in a nutshell. But he had taken the field training manual um, 2000-25, right? That was the one that I read uh, last year, but he took 2000-25 field training manual, which was originally released by the War Department back in uh, 1928 for the Army. And he transferred it into a, uh, he transferred the manual and made a uh, kind of like a, 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 basically he turned the manual into a very valuable, informative uh, information piece uh, that, you know, could be shared with the general public and help educate the people about its significance. So both Oscar and Kirk, they actually have a background in the Marine Corps. They both served in the Marines. And, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. They're, they're not former Marines. They're not ex-Marines. They are just simply Marines. And Oscar's familiarity with field training manuals is very extensive. And last year, like I said, I personally completed a 17-part series in which I read through the entire field training manual. Now, you could find that series at my website, which is hishardline.com. Um, but the information contained in that manual is very, very incredibly relevant. And I firmly believe that it should be taught in schools and in homeschooling curriculum. Now, back when FDR was president, he notoriously sought to undermine our republic by attempting to destroy every physical copy of this manual. Now, why would he do that? Well, because that manual contained instructions on how to return a country back from a democracy to a republic you know because last i checked ladies and gentlemen america is a republic it is not a democracy <clears throat> now fdr being the little communist traitor that he was he engaged in seditious acts to undermine our form of government now however the attempts that he made to eradicate every copy of the manual were thankfully and I think this was a gone thing, were ultimately unsuccessful. So thankfully, the manual had survived. 
and its teachings continue to be valuable resource for those seeking to restore and preserve our republic. Now, furthermore, it's dual, you know, it's I think important to note that it's um, that it's worth noting that the field training manual gained significant attention and recognition under the leadership of General Douglas MacArthur back in the 1950s. Now, General MacArthur personally selected a group of exceptionally talented military service members and provided them with the intensive training based on this manual. Now, this specialized training formed the foundation for a what I guess you would could call it a strategic initiative called the Restore America Plan, also known as Project Blue Book, not to be confused with the investigation of extraterrestrial phenomena. All right, a.k.a. aliens, okay? It's not that blue book. But the Restore America plan, when it's with its roots in the teaching of the field training manual, remains an ongoing effort to this very day. And those of you that are in the assembly would recognize that for those of you that really pay attention and are working from a pure, loving heart of country, you would actually see that and recognize it. So here's the thing. Its primary objective is to re you know is the reassembly of states and the restoration of our cherished republican form of government right that's the biggest objective now this crucial endeavor involves bringing together like-minded individuals who are dedicated to upholding the principles of limited government individual liberty and most importantly the protection of rights now through the diligent execution of the restore america plan we, and when I say we, that also includes the people in the assembly, retired military, active military, and other patriots worldwide. But we aim to ensure that our nation remains true to its original ideals and values. Now, by actively participating in the reassembly of states, we work towards a future where our constitutional republic is strengthened and where the voice of the people is truly heard and respected. So in summary to all of that, the field training manual studied under General Douglas MacArthur and utilized in the development of the Restore America plan serves as a guide for those that are seeking to preserve and restore our Republican form of government. So by continuing the work of reassembling the states, we strive to safeguard the principles upon which our nation was founded, securing a brighter future for generations to come. So what I would highly recommend you all, it is posted on my Telegram and on my True Social. Go find it. It's a po- uh, it was on Rumble. It is on Rumble. I believe it's on YouTube as well. But I posted the Rumble link on Telegram and True Social. Yes, it's three hours long, but it's worth every three hours. In fact, it'll be the quickest three hours you'll ever get through. It's a very good presentation, and I love how, what Oscar did with it by putting it in a visual and interactive format. Um, it's a lot better than what I did, which was just simply read through it. What he did was he took very important key bullet points, made it interactive. And by that, I mean, he took some of the questions, which were pop quiz questions that were in the field training manual, because it's a a way that when he does this presentation live face to face with other people, it gets them thinking and gets them to pay attention to the material as he goes through it. Very, very awesome. So Oscar, bravo, my man, for doing that. And thank you for taking the time. And I know it's solely your own time for doing that because that was a great presentation. So go check that out on Kirk's Law Corner. Very, very, very cool. I would like to have, um, I would love to have Oscar as well as Kirk too, because Kirk is really good when it comes to common law and Lisa out of Georgia and Bill 
uh, Hermanson out of uh, Missouri. Those are four great minds when it comes to educating. They're very, very smart, very intelligent, very skillful people. And I tell you, it's an honor to be among the best. It really is. <clears throat> now, let's do the reading real quick out of James 3. Um, I'm reading out of the New King James Version today. And it starts off by saying, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths by uh, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, and the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the, simil uh, in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. Excuse me, salt and fresh. There's no water on that. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil things are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And that is the reading of James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. And I've got a few people here that are regular listeners that are joining in. we got D. Payne up there in the great north of Alaska. we got my beautiful, wonderful wife out there. Thank you for grabbing dinner. Uh, she is such a sweetheart. She's grabbing a little Mexicano for me. American Mexican, not true authentic Mexican. Because, you know, let's face it, it's Muskegon. There's not really a whole lot of, well, actually, not so, that's, a, that's a lie. There actually is some um, good authentic Mexican restaurants, but um, those are sit-down, nothing to go. We're getting to go. That's the American Mexicano. Uh, Randy, down there in uh, Indiana. I haven't seen you around lately, brother. Welcome. And then, of course, Oscar, our wonderful educator down there in the Missouri General General Assembly. So glad to see you guys here. And again, thank you for cooperating. Well, I should say not cooperating, but thank you for making the adjustment for me making the show a little earlier. Like I said, I'm definitely going to hit the bed a little earlier today. But anyway, 
Um, but back to the reading here. So James, in his message, he he cautions us against um, hasty pursuit of teaching, as teachers um, will be held to a much stricter judgment. Because again, you know, where teachers are, they have a high responsibility for shaping minds, right? So he highlights the significance of controlling our words as those who can do so demonstrate true maturity and self-discipline. Now, drawing analogies, James also compares the impact of the tongue to that of a small bit guiding a horse or a tiny rudder directing a large ship, right? Because despite its small size, the tongue possesses immense power, right? It can carry life and death through its words. And so it can kindle destructive fires, symbolizing the potential harm of our words, you know, that, you know, what our words can cause. And James emphasizes that the tongue, often influenced by negative forces, can actually defile the whole body. Now, while man have tamed numerous creatures, the tongue also remains untamable because it's an unruly evil filled with deadly poison, or it can be. And James points out the inconsistency of using the same tongue to both bless God and curse fellow men and women, because such contradictions should not exist among true believers, right? So James further emphasizes the importance of integrity and the alignment of words with actions. And so he questions whether a spring can produce both fresh and bitter water or if a tree can bear different types of fruit. And likewise, our words indeed should reflect the true nature of our hearts. Amen. And so James warns against earthly wisdom characterized by envy and selfish ambition, which he identifies as originating from demonic influences. Now, such wisdom leads to confusion and evil. And in contrast, heavenly wisdom is described as pure, peaceable, um, gentle, and full of mercy, bearing good fruits. And so he encourages those who claim to be wise and understanding to demonstrate their wisdom through meekness and good conduct, right? So James concludes all this by highlighting the significance of sowing peace and righteousness, promoting harmony among believers. And so we need to reflect on James's teachings while striving to control our tongues, aligning our words with our hearts and pursue wisdom that leads to peace and righteousness. And boy, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is something I strive to do every day. And it is a challenge. I'm not going to sit here and say it's very easy to do because it's, it's, it can be challenging because one thing is for sure. We are all men and women. And what's the old saying? I hate using the word human. We're all human, right? Like, we, like we're just, we're, we're not perfect. And sometimes, and, and God knows this. I mean, it even says in the Bible, he knows that we're not perfect. He knows we're going to fumble and fall. But the important thing is, is that we make an active effort to always constantly get up and strive to be the best version of ourselves. Now, kind of tying all this together, let's get into the posterity part. Because I was thinking about something the other day as I continue as being a member with the Michigan General General Assembly, I go back to the why. Why did I get involved in the assembly? It's very simple. 
because it does take a lot of time. There's a lot of frustrating hours and moments and times where you're looking at what people are trying to do when they're trying to take it down. But I go back to the original reason of why I became a member. Now, yes, I have a love of country and I want nothing more than to see this country flourish and succeed. But if I'm going to be completely honest, the reason I got involved in the assembly is because of my daughter. Now, I think if she wasn't around and it was just me and my wife, I am going to have to be completely honest and say that I think I would probably be one of the most selfish uh, people out there that's, you know, married, we, you know, wanting to just have fun. My wife and I just travel the world and go jet skiing and gallivanting around the world and traveling and having fun and going golfing and trying all these restaurants and just not giving a crap about what's going on in the world. Cause we're just going to get our fun in before we die. Like, I'll be honest with you. That's probably what I'd be doing. But because I have a daughter, we, excuse me, let me fix that for a minute because we have a daughter because I can't have a daughter. My wife can. And because my wife is the one, which by the way, to all you crazy loonies out there, that's gallivanting and assless chaps at these gay pride parades. Like there is in Grand Haven, Michigan, a woman is the only biological mammal that can give birth. By the way, Dylan Mulvaney, you cannot, uh, have a girl get you pregnant and you can't bear a child because you're a male i'm not going to say you're a man because you're definitely far from a man but you are a biological male with a wee wee so just get it get it straight buddy but my wife and i have a daughter and because we have our daughter is the reason why i'm in the assembly because i want her to grow up in a world that is safe and secure by her peers and by people who love country who want to live life by governing themselves and not having a usurping tyrannical government above them, keeping us and them enslaved as they get older. I, I did not, I don't want that for her. Now, I don't know if I'll ever see that in my lifetime. I think we will, we will get there. I really believe that, but this is why I got involved. She is part of our posterity as all of our kids are and our grandchildren, right? Future generations is what that means. Our posterity. You could see that word in the Constitution. And so as parents, we have a profound responsibility towards our children in um, encompassing their safety, right? Their security and their overall well-being. That's what a good parent does. And so our love for them motivates us to go to great lengths to ensure their present and futures are filled with happiness and fulfillment. And to make sure they're not, you know, put in bondage and in slavery by a usurping, tyrannical, communist government. And so in context of the pursuit of self-governance and the restoration of a de jure government, we understand that our efforts are crucial in shaping the kind of society that our children will inherit. See, I thought about this a lot lately because the principles of limited government, individual liberty, and the protection of rights are very fundamental to the preservation of a free and just society. Because we strive to create an environment where our children's dignity, freedom, and rights are respected and upheld. Now, to achieve this, we actively engage in processes and practices that promote the ideals of a republic. 
What does that look like? Well, by fostering an informed populace. That's number one. That's what Oscar does. That's what Destry tries to do. That's what Bill Hermanson out of Missouri tries to do. Lisa in Georgia and many others. Kirk with Kirk's Law Corner out there in Idaho trying to form the general public about the assemblies and common law and the law of nations and so on and so forth. And so by that, we empower the people to make informed decisions and to actively participate in shaping the governance of our nation. And so we emphasize the importance of civic responsibility, encouraging our children to exercise their rights, again, given by God, and contribute to their communities and be actively involved in the, Demo- in the Republican, excuse me, the Republican processes of our wonderful republic. Yes, there is kind of a democratic process, but by and large, it is a republic. Now, through our dedication, we aim to instill in our children the values of active participation, critical thinking, and respect for the principles embedded in our constitutional republic. We need to teach them about the rule of law, the importance of checks and balances, and the significance of protecting individual rights and freedoms. And by nurturing their understanding of these principles, we, as parents, we equip them to navigate the complexities of the world with wisdom and discernment. You see, our ultimate goal is to forge a path for our children, right? For our children to inherit a nation that upholds the principles of equality and justice and individual rights. I don't want to get older and my daughter get older and realize what's going on in the world and look to me in my eyes and say, Dad, how come you knew what was going on, but you didn't try to do anything about it? I don't want to have that conversation, nor do I want to die and go to my grave only to meet the Holy Father in heaven and look Father in the eye and have him ask me, what did you do on earth while you were living? You had one job. I gave you a set of skills and gifts to acquire, to accomplish that job. What did you do? What did you do? I don't want to answer that by saying, uh, nothing. I don't want to answer that hard question to father. Nope. And so we aspire to create a legacy that empowers them to take charge of their own destiny while also inspiring them to contribute positively to, to society. And so we want them to be agents of positive change, right? Working towards a, uh, what do they call it? A more perfect union in which the rights and well-being of all people are safeguarded. And so the love that we have for our children, right? Our posterity, it drives our tireless dedication. It fuels our commitment to creating a better world where their dreams can flourish and their voices can be heard. And their potential can be realized. And through our unwavering efforts, we strive to weave hope and opportunity and resilience into the fabric of their lives, ensuring that they are equipped to face the challenges and seize the opportunities that lie ahead. And so in the whole grand tapestry of for our posterity, our parental love and devotion serve as a testament to the profound connection between our aspirations as parents, the pursuit of self-governance, and the enduring legacy that we seek to create by securing a bright future for our children. We strengthen the very foundations of, our, of a society 
that values and safeguards the dreams and aspirations of each new generation, ensuring that the principles of our republic continue to flourish and guide us forward. It's no wonder why General Douglas MacArthur understood and recognized what was happening back then and decided to start training a bunch of very skilled and intelligent, highly capable service members on the Field Training Manual 2000-25 to help restore America back on the foundation in which it was built upon, which is a republic in which we, the people, self-govern ourselves. So... To kind of tie it all in, as we kind of learned in James chapter 3, we are reminded of the immense power and significance of our words, right? Because James uses metaphors such as the bit guiding the horse and the rudder steering the ship to illustrate how something so small can have such a great impact. And he cautions against destructive potential of the tongue and emphasizes the need for self-control and wisdom in our speech. So, so when we consider the role of parents in shaping the future for our children, right? James' teachings resonate deeply with me because our words hold tremendous power, as I've always talked about since day one of the, of the inception of this podcast, and it can profoundly influence our children's lives. It is crucial that we exercise restraint and mindfulness in how we communicate with them, ensuring that our words build them up and encourage them and guide them in the right direction. It's so important. Furthermore, James also draws the attention to the importance of integrity and aligning our words with our actions. Why? Well, I, I tell you what, I see a lot of people within our assemblies that their words certainly are not aligning with their actions, and they are being found out. As parents, our children are observant and perceptive closely watching how we conduct ourselves, it is not enough to merely just speak about the principles and values. We must embody them in our daily lives. Just like what I said the other day in the other show, walk your talk. And so by demonstrating consistency between our words and deeds, we impart invaluable lessons to our children about the importance of authenticity in living out our beliefs. And it also highlights the distinction between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, because earthly wisdom driven by selfish ambition and envy leads to discord and turmoil. Now, on the flip side of that coin, heavenly wisdom is characterized by purity, peace, and mercy and bears good fruits. Again, judge a man by the fruits of his labor. And so as parents, we have the responsibility to impart wisdom to our children, guiding them towards making choices rooted in heavenly wisdom. That contribute to harmony and righteousness. Therefore, we strive for the well-being and future of our children. James chapter 3 reminds us of the critical role that our own words play. Because by exercising self-control and aligning our words with our actions and imparting heavenly wisdom, we create an environment that nurtures their growth, fosters healthy relationships, and instills in them the values necessary for meaningful and purposeful life. So overall, the teachings from James chapter 3 reinforce the importance of mindful and wise communication in our role as parents. 
ensuring that our words have a positive impact on our children. By aligning our words with our actions and imparting heavenly wisdom. Because we create a foundation that shapes their character and prepares them for a future grounded in righteousness and harmony. With that, I think would be a perfect place to kind of end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are filled with deep gratitude as we lift our prayers before you. And we thank you for the His Hardline listener base and the regular people that always come back here every day, every night, every week, and for showing this channel their unwavering support and positive impact that they bring to our lives. We are grateful for the sense of community and understanding that they provide and reminding us that we are never alone in our struggles as we go through life. Above all, we are very, very thankful to you, God, for the boundless love and the countless blessing that you bestow upon us. And you are the source of all goodness and all strength and all mercy. And we acknowledge your faithfulness and the ways that you have worked miracles within each of our lives. And so you have guided us through challenges and granted us moments of joy and shown us the path to redemption. We can't express how appreciative we are of that. And so in this prayer, we express our gratitude for the gift of life and for the people who surround us with love and support and for the opportunities that lie before us. May our hearts overflow with gratitude and may we never cease to acknowledge your grace and kindness. And with hearts full of thanksgiving, we present our prayers to you, knowing that you hear us and and you respond accordingly to your perfect plan. And to add what um, to the prayer, Oscar was also asking that we put in here. We also want to pray for quick. Oh, (laughs) thank you. I just reread that. Uh, Oscar put here prayers for quick healing for you, brother. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. Like I said, it's been really crazy migraine, but thank you. Um, and we pray also for all the special intentions that uh, special intentional prayers people hold deeply in their hearts. They might not know how to word it, or maybe they might be too shy to put it out there in a public forum. But we do pray that you hear everybody's internal prayers, that you answer them accordingly, and you know, in that aligns with your perfect plan. And we pray all of this in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. We pray, Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. I do appreciate that, Oscar, for that. I do appreciate that. Thank you, Randy. Um, You guys are excellent. I really do appreciate all of you. And like I said, my headache is getting better. My migraine, I should say, it is subduing. I don't feel queasy anymore, which is good. Um, But I just figured, you know what, I should probably get to bed a little early tonight, which is why I did the show a couple hours, two and a half hours earlier. But um, I will be back on tomorrow. I can't remember if I'm going to, I can't remember. I I can't remember. I thought I had an, uh, um, an appointment tomorrow. I have to look at my calendar. So I may be on at seven or it may be at 4 PM. Either way, I'll post it. Once I look at my calendar, um, and I get it figured out, I will post it as early as I can tomorrow. So you guys are are, are ready, but then Monday, uh, Monday and Tuesday will be 7 PM, uh, without fail. So, All right, guys. Well, thank you for being here and for listening to His Hard Line. Like I said, this is God's podcast. This is not mine. He's the one that simply pushed me to get it started. But ultimately, this is his platform, along with other platforms that are out there. 
that are rooted in Christ and just want are want nothing more than to be dedicated to spreading the truth. And like I said, if there's ever anything that I ever say that's not uh, factual or may be slightly skewed and you want to call it out, please, by all means, you can send me an email at hishardline at gmail.com. For some of you that have my phone number, you can text me. You know me well enough that I don't have an ego. I don't have pride. Um, if I made a, a, an incorrect statement or, you know, maybe stated something improperly or maybe it's slightly askew, um, correct me because I don't want anything to ever be incorrect on the show. So with that, I don't have any parting song today, as you can imagine. I just don't have it in me to play any music right now. But I hope you all have a great day and a great night, and we will be back here tomorrow. So you all have a blessed day or night wherever you're at in the world, and we will see you back here tomorrow. And thanks for joining us here at His Hard Line. Bye-bye. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show.
Don't forget to check out the website, www.hisheartline.com. And if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly, go to www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. It's time to get active, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.